the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is 6.05, and we are live from Washington, D.C. It's 6.05 in Washington, D.C. It's 6.05 in New York City. It's 6.05 in Freehold, New Jersey, where Platinum Mitsubishi is watching. They're watching the cars fly off the lot. Not those electric cars that are boring. Real cars with engines and gasoline. Those are the kinds that I like. I'm pretty fired up. This is the last show for the week. A lot of people are off tomorrow in observance of Good Friday. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. I'm a big Good Friday guy. Um, But um, right now, we are going to talk about Section 18 USC, Section 1992, Subsection A, Subsection 7, and B, Subsection 1. Those are the charges that uh, Frank James faced today when he was arraigned in front of the United States Magistrate Judge Rowan Mann. Uh, in the courthouse where I practice on a very, very regular basis in Cadman Plaza in downtown Brooklyn. Um, There are two sections of the courthouse. There's a newer section and an older section. It was a packed courthouse, packed courtroom, I should say. The media presence outside was enormous. And what he's charged with is... um, uh, the those those numbers I gave you the 1992 it's terrorist attacks or other violence against a mass transportation system. So uh, if the same exact thing happened in the street, uh, the these charges would not have been applicable. Um, but you know, just so you guys know, normally these are, these cases are charged by the local district attorney. It's typically not the feds that get involved. But here, because it was on mass transit, there is this specific federal charge that applies. And let's talk about bail, because that's what everyone's been talking about. And all the bail and the bail reform we speak of, and that everyone speaks of, from the governor to the the mayor and everyone in between, and law enforcement, they're all speaking about the bail system in state court, which is very different than the bail system in federal court. In state court, basically, if you're lucky, right before you appear before the judge, the prosecutor says what they're going to ask for bail. Then you, as the defense attorney, you argue to the judge that it should be a lot lower or no bail at all. And then the judge makes a decision. And then you figure out 
how to actually raise the bail. So hypothetically, if the judge says it's a hundred thousand dollars bail, the judge has to give you three in state court. The one that we're all arguing about all the reform, the judge has to give you three choices. So if it was a hundred thousand dollars, the judge could say it's a hundred thousand dollars cash or two hundred thousand dollars partially secured bond or $300,000 fully secured bond or $100,000 fully secured bond. The difference between a partially secured bond and a fully secured bond basically means a fully secured bond means you're going to a bail bonds person. A partially secured bond means you're going to the court and the clerks of the court. In both cases, you're using collateral. So you don't have to put up the $100,000 cash. You're putting up usually around 10%. That's a rough number. It's negotiable to some degree. Um, but that didn't apply. None of what I just said applied in this case because this is a federal case. And in federal court, in an ideal situation, the prosecutor and the defense attorney work out what's called a bail package before you appear before a judge, in this case, a magistrate judge, which is a lower level judge, as opposed to a district court judge, which is the higher level judge, where if this case would go to trial or, or uh, be sentenced, he'd be in a, and I didn't say plea because this is, I'm giving like a law class, right? Because if he was going to take a plea, he may also take a plea in front of the magistrate judge. Um, and then ultimately, though, your ultimate sentence is by the higher court judge, which is what's called a district court judge. But usually, in most cases, you work out a bail package with the prosecutor before you appear before the judge, and then the judge approves it. So in a typical case, this is a very atypical case. But in a typical case, I would like, let's just say it's a money laundering case where someone uh, extorted someone or, or took money that, that didn't belong to them. Let me make it nice and simple. For a half a million dollars. I sit down with the prosecutor and say, you know, what are you looking for? And uh, he says, well, I want a, a half a million dollar uh, personal recognizance bond and two financially responsible co-signers that have some collateral behind them. So before we even appear before the judge, I try to get two family members who are have jobs, <clears throat> can show me proof they have jobs. So they have W-2s or they have pay stubs uh, or something along those lines. And ideally, they own a piece of property. And I show all of this to the prosecutor right in the hallway, right before we go and see the judge. That's if we could get this done this quickly. Most of the time in federal court, people surrender by a certain date. So you have a couple of days to get your ducks in order. Obviously, that didn't happen with Frank James, but you appear before the judge and you say, Your Honor, the prosecutor and I agree on a bail package and here's the package. His wife is going to sign. His uncle is going to sign a personal recognizance bond of a half a million dollars. He's going to sign as well. And um, they're financially responsible people because they all have jobs. And his uncle owns a house and we're going to file with the clerk of the state court a lien on the house so he can't sell that house until this case is over. And. The judge usually, 90% of the time, approves that. And the person walks out the back door. You don't have to do all of those things right there and then. And you're able to leave. When there is a case like this one, Frank James and the, the shooting on the subway, when you know this guy, this Mr. James, is never going to have anything close to a bail package, you just agree. You don't even make a bail argument. You just agree that they're going to hold him in. And there's no amount of money that, that this guy would be able to raise that would be anywhere close to what is needed. Here's the big issue is just keeping it topical with state bail versus federal bail. 
in federal court, the judge, in this case a magistrate judge, is allowed to take dangerousness into account in making her decision. So hypothetically, if Mr. James's attorneys wanted to argue for bail, he does have a record, but it's a very small record. It's a lot of petty stuff. Um, it's harassment. It's straight up larceny, which is like stealing something under a thousand dollars. I I didn't see any felonies on his record. Um, we call them like more of nuisance crimes. If if his lawyer wanted to make an argument, saying, "Judge, look, he doesn't really have a record, and the evidence here isn't that strong," the judge could say, "But the crime he's charged with is so heinous. I'm afraid if I let him out, he's going to hurt someone else." A judge can say that in federal court. A judge cannot say that in state court. They could think it. They could put it in their calculus where they're deciding what to do with bail. But they're not allowed to say the reason why I am not giving him bail is because I think he's going to be a danger to society. So in one courthouse, one block away, at 320 J Street where the state courthouse is, and it's maybe a block and a half away, you can't say that when you're when you're doing bail. But in a, a block and a half in the other direction, in Cadman Plaza, you can, the, the magistrate judge can say, I think he's a danger to society. I'm not letting him out. Now, that didn't take place today. The prosecutors, I'm sorry, the defense attorneys didn't even try to um, make a, a, an argument. And they, they were right not to because it wasn't going to go anywhere. It would just be a waste of everyone's time and energy. What they did ask for is that he uh, receive psychiatric care while he's in the, the uh, probably going to be in the MDC the Metropolitan Detention Center, which is in Brooklyn, <laughs> literally uh, a golf swing from the 36th Street train station. So the 36th Street train station, where this all took place, is on 36th Street and 4th Avenue. The Metropolitan Detention Center is on 29th Street and 3rd Avenue. So the train's on 4th Avenue, the, the, the prison's on uh, 3rd, 4th and 3rd, 3629. I think... A, Six iron, at worst, you, you, you're, you're getting that ball over there. Maybe a five iron. Depends who's swinging the, who's swinging the club. Um, so that's where he's going to be, and they're going to keep him isolated. They'll put him in solitary because that's how they keep him safe. And, you know, when you really dig deep into what happened, it is just a miracle, number one, that no one died, and number two, that more people didn't get hurt. He had 57 more rounds in his weapon before it jammed. 57. He got off 33. He shot. He went through one whole magazine, and then he loaded up the second magazine, and I think he only got off three shots, and then, um, and then it jammed. And they found, um, they found more weapons in a bag. I, I believe it was it was right on the train, uh, right on the train. The one thing that no one really knows and may never know is if there's any motive. No one knows about anything about a motive here. Why did he do this? Is he mad about? This, that, or the other thing. Is he part of a cult? Is he part of a gang? The bottom line is it was a horrible day for New York. His defense attorneys made clear that he basically surrendered himself. He called Crime Stoppers and gave himself up. Um, And they want everyone to keep that in in the front of their minds. Okay, you know, we'll keep it in the front of our mind. What I'm keeping in the front of my mind is the, the, the fellow New Yorkers who came to his rescue to, not his rescue, the, the people who were injured, rescue we got a fun show for you down in here in washington dc we have a real washington dc here with us his name is chuck Thies. he's internationally known and he's going to tell us what life is like in washington what the beltway is like and he'll teach us everything about dc
So, let's talk about Connors and Sullivan on this holy Thursday. The, the big table where they're all sitting around and and uh, Jesus breaks the matzah and he drinks the wine and he turns it, you know, his body and his blood. Now, under those circumstances, Jesus knew that he was, uh, you know, meeting his, uh, his maker or his father. Um, but we don't know those things, right? I mean, I'm going to go have dinner with Chuck in a little while and I'm hoping it's not going to be my last supper, but... It could be the Last Supper. Anyone of us can suffer a Last Supper. If you realize what happened yesterday on the subway, thank God no one left us, but they could have. So what do you do? You plan for the worst. You plan for the future. You plan for the inevitable. Because you know what, folks? One day, we're all not going to be here, okay? So pick up the phone. Call Connors and Sullivan. 718-238-6500. Hundred, you need to protect your assets. You need to protect your family. You should sit down with one of the lawyers from Connors and Sullivan. You want to talk about a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will. Basically, folks, your overall estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan is always to protect your rights and your interests. They've been helping people just like you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just like you, plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no obligation consultation. They have offices in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island, 718-238-6500. Visit their website at connorsandsullivan.com. And remember, on this holy Thursday evening, the biggest mistake... When it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 are talking a little positive. Listen, when you're in D.C., first of all, I need a little help. I need a little help for anyone who's out there listening. So I'm here with my buddy Chuck, and we're going to get into that in a second. What he's running to help with. 
Could someone give me a couple of restaurant recommendations? Because I ask him, where should we go eat? I don't know. I'm not good at that stuff. I, you know, I eat rice and beans at home. Um, Arthur at ABK at lawnyc.com. Arthur at ABKLawNYC.com. Arthur, A R T H U R, at ABKLAWNYC.com. And just tell me what your favorite uh, restaurant is down in Washington. Last night I had a great sushi place. Really, really very good outdoor. I was with Alan Dershowitz. He wanted to sit outdoor because he's very COVID conscious, as he should be at his age. And we had delicious food. Um, we're on a tight budget. So, we're, yeah, so we're on a tight budget. Us to go to the no, we could listen. It's on Chuck. I'm visiting him, yeah, so we could go crazy. Like, like, like um, so in uh, 1989, I started it as a uh, college SUNY, State University of New York. I purchased. I went there to go be a uh, an actor, ballerina, whatever. Didn't didn't really wet my whistle. So I started taking political science classes. I then. Um, uh, I did a semester in Italy, the first semester of my junior year, which was um, 87. And then, you know, I flipped over into 88. In January of 88, I come back into SUNY Purchase and I see some blonde kid with short hair wearing a tweed sports jacket with like the, the uh, suede on the elbows, which was not exactly SUNY Purchase wear, but it, it was much nicer than SUNY Purchase wear. So I'm like, all right, this guy is at least he's got a little fashion sense. Let me go over to talk to him. Uh, his name was Chuck Thies, and uh, little did I know that day we met that uh, we would be lifelong friends and someone who was a really, really dear friend. Um, and what he reminded me of, those of you who know me, uh, know that in 1997, I had a wonderful career in the, Manhattan, in the Brooklyn DA's office. I had an internship in the Manhattan DA's office, and I worked in the Brooklyn DA's office uh, when crime was worse, much worse than it is now, to the point where three weeks in, I was second seating a, a, a attempted murder trial uh, because they just needed bodies of lawyers who seemed like they knew what they were doing. I remember Joe Hines, the Brooklyn DA, said, well, because of your father, you have it in your DNA, so I'm just going to throw you in the courtroom. So I had a wonderful career there, and uh, I always had the bug to run for city office or, or elected office, primarily because when I was in, I think between sophomore and junior year in high school, my mom made me go and uh, intern at city councilman Sal Albanese's office and I um, in Bay Ridge, Dyker Heights, Bensonhurst. And I really got the bug for it. I Sal became a, a, a lifelong friend and... Um, and although sometimes he does things that really let me down, Dominic Reckia, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I, and I just had this bug and I wanted to run. So Sal, all of a sudden, after I go to law school and I, I have a very nice career, at least I think so, in the DA's office, Sal decides he's going to run. Sal Albany's going to run for mayor. And now the city council seat is going to be open in Bay Ridge. <clears throat> and I said, you know what? I had nothing tying me down. I was living on the first floor of my grandmother's two-family two house. Um, yeah, I had no kids. I didn't have any real financial commitment. I said, I'm going to run for New York City Council. Let's see what happens. And long story longer, I came down to Washington, D.C. to see Justice Scalia to talk to him about it. And then I saw another good friend of mine who's sadly left us too early, uh, Judge Fran Allegra, who gave me a $200 check. He, it was the first check I got. I dollar for counsel. And it was like, it was like he gave me a million dollars because it was my first check. And it meant so much that a person of his stature, he's a federal judge um, who knew me since I was, I don't know, 17, whenever we went to Spain, maybe even younger, 14. Uh, and he, you know, like he had the faith in me and my abilities to write me out this check when 
I, you know, I, I was far from the favorite from this uh, campaign. And uh, so on the way back, Chuck was living down here in Washington, D.C. And I said, you know, Chuck, I'm going to pass by and visit you. And I did. And I kind of gave him a pitch about maybe coming up to New York and helping on the campaign. He uh, he had a, a hair down to his lower back. That wasn't going to go over too well in Bay Ridge. Uh, long story longer, Chuck reminded me that's 25 years ago, like basically right now. I, I believe I... I'm going to correct myself, Chuck, because I said I think I resigned from the DA's office March 28th. No, it was early April. Yeah, right. It was all right. Come over here. It was early April when you came down here, and uh, and it was great to see you. I hadn't seen you in a couple of years, Um, and you explained to me that you were going to run for city council and that you wanted someone to manage a campaign, and I had been working on special events and some other complex projects, and you said you'd be perfect to run the campaign, and I said, but Arthur – I don't know anything about New York City politics. I don't know anything about Brooklyn neighborhood pro- politics. And you said, oh, uh, that's fine, Chuck. I know all that stuff. You know how to manage stuff. You keep the trains running on time. I'll handle the politics. You also were a very good writer. Yes. You wanted me to help you with some, with some writing. So uh, you didn't have a lot of time. We spent about an hour together. You left me a press release, and you got back in your car. And you said, think about it. You know, you, you can live with me in Brooklyn. We'll have fun. It'll be like old times, which was hilarious. I was like 33, and Arthur's like, it'll be like old times, like we're 70 or something. And so after about two hours, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I can put everything on the back burner. Like Arthur at the time, I was single, didn't have kids, didn't have any encumbrances. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll put this on the back. I'll put everything on the back burner. I'll go to Brooklyn. I'll do this with Arthur. And I did something that I'd never done before in my life at that moment. I picked up my phone and I called your someone, land, my landline, and I called someone who was driving and had a cell phone. And I'd uh, never... Was your landline phone wired or was it a wireless landline? No, no, it had the, it had the old springy cord. It was wired. Oh. And I'd never called, I'd talked, to, I knew three other people with cell phones. Uh, but I'd never talked to anyone driving with a phone. Arthur was turning off the turnpike to cross the Gothels Bridge to get through Staten Island to get back to Bay Ridge. And I said, you know what, Arthur? I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's do this thing. And, uh, and then immediately he became my boss. He said, fine, work on that press release and get it to me in the morning. <laughs> And we got, I'll tell you this, we worked our tail off. And, you know, I know a lot of people who listen to this show have been around politics. And um, I, I made some really dear friends because of that campaign. In particular, Mike Beauvais, who uh, he runs the uh, the union for uh, the Department of Sanitation. Um, and just others, Angela Luchel, I could rattle it off. But when you're involved in a campaign, it's very similar to being involved in a trial. And that's why the skill set was easily transferable. Because when you get involved in a trial, a major trial, it's all in. It's 24-7. It's nonstop. And basically, Chuck and I started the campaign in April, and Marty Golden, who was the eventual winner, uh, said that his initial poll had me at 3%. 3%. And we wound up uh, not doing well. Um, the, the no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Okay, well, no, 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 no. We, it's not that we didn't do well. We did fine, we did actually. actually. First-time candidate running in the Democratic primary against a woman who was the daughter of the past, past council member. So her last name was Seminara, and she had name recognition because her father had held that office. No one knew us, and as a matter of fact... And we had, we had Cody McCone. We had, it, was three, it, was three, it was a three-people race, two men and one woman. That hurt me. 
two Italians and one Irishman, and that hurt me. So I was on the, the short end of the stick twice. And I want to put some law into this, actually, since this show's about law. Okay, so it's about... We got 60 seconds. Uh, we are. Right, it's about it's about a, a, a month before the primary, and of course Arthur shares the same name with his father, and it's at that point that it's re- it's revealed in the newspapers that Arthur's father oh, yeah. is defending <laughs> the dude who drove the truck into the World Trade Center and tried to bomb it. And and so, but people are distinguishing Arthur Idola from Louis Idola. You just hear an Idola is defending the terrorist. So wait, here's, here's the punchline. My father never told me he's driving this case. He's trying the case. He missed it quiet. So I'm ringing bells, asking people to sign my petition. I am Arthur Idola. And finally, this guy goes, "You related to this piece of garbage who's on TV defending the bomber or the?" And it was the first World Trade. It was the '93. I go, I don't know. I went home. I gave. I started. Got into it with my dad. I'm like, how could you do this? You want to give me a heads up? Um, ultimately, on the night of the election, the first votes came in from Bath Beach, and we won every every poll there. We won every booth, everyone. And I look at Chuck and my uncle Angelo Morelli, and I go, we lost. And they look at me, and they go, you won every single one. How could you say we lost? I said, Chuck, you had me work that district so hard, and we only won by 14 15 votes, 20 votes. We needed to win there by 50, 60, 70 votes. The the race was so close that one of my opponents, Cody McCone, called me at like 10.30 at night. He goes, Archie, congratulations. It's Cody. You won the race. I was like, Cody, you better recount the votes. Chuck and I went out that night for a night we'll never forget. Um, sorry for getting sidetracked, but I'm, it's 25 years from my dollar for, for council. We're allowed to talk about it. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Chuck talking about state of affairs in Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. So, we're not really going to be right back. I, I'm, I'm right here. You know what I'm here to talk about? It's like 10 days from now, Wednesday, April the 27th. It is the Salem Business Breakfast. That's right. It's going to be at the Saccone Theater at Bergen Community College, and everyone from the Joe Piscopo Show will be broadcasting live. That's right, Joe and Al and Joe. There's the other Joe. There's the Sibelia as opposed to the Piscopo. I will be moderating, an, and of course, Debbie Duhane. I will be moderating an expert panel on all things business. The panelists include Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD commissioner, Steve Perillo, who's the president and owner of Perillo Tours, Ace Wadanasuparp, who um, he's the National Director of Strategic Sales at Citizen Bank Home Mortgage Division. Jason Green, the Vice President of Magnafold. He's going to talk about developing and growing his family business through hard work and ingenuity. Melanie Landano, she's the founder and owner of Mel's Butcher Box. She's going to talk about the growth in the restaurant industry from food trucks to brick and mortar success. And there's going to be a delicious gourmet breakfast served by DR Catering. And everyone who comes up, you're going to get to eat the bacon and the eggs and coffee and Danish and everyone. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great morning. Just get up early and come on out. Bring lots of business cards because you're going to network and you're going to enter to win some terrific prizes, including lunches and dinners with our hosts. But you need to register online to attend. So go to am970theanswer.com. A special thanks to our sponsors, MagnaFlood. Camp of the Woods, and Regency Wealth Management. Go to am970theanswer.com and register now. Smoke Signals Radio, your answer to everything you and all smokers need to know about stopping tobacco with smoking cessation expert Matthew Bars. Matt has a quit rate of 70%, and you can quit too. Smoke Signals, every Saturday at noon on AM 970, The Answer. 
Eye on Real Estate, New York's longest-running show on real estate, answers everyone's questions from California to across the Atlantic in London. It's actually Gateshead, a little bit away from London. I've been a huge fan of yours for many a year. Dottie Herman and her expert team will help you through the ins and outs of property ownership. We have great listeners, a great audience, and a great team of professionals. Call 866-970-9622 with your question Saturday morning at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. Register now to take a journey that will impact you forever with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza for 10 life-changing days exploring over 40 historic sites in Israel this November 30th through December 9th. Sign up now at StandWithIsraelTour.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. News. Opinion. Passion. This is AM 970. The Answer. We have partly cloudy skies. We sit at 71 degrees on this Thursday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, the suspect in the Brooklyn subway shooting will be undergoing a psychiatric evaluation following his first court appearance. 62-year-old Frank James appeared in court with two federal defenders and will be held without bail on a permanent order of detention on terror charges. He's also waiving a preliminary hearing. Federal prosecutors say Tuesday's attack on the N train was an act of terror New York City hasn't seen in 20 years. The judge added the complaint speaks for itself. And the FBI is piecing together Frank James' movements leading up to his alleged attack in the New York City subway system. Investigators have discovered James rented a U-Haul and a storage unit from a Philadelphia facility the day before he unleashed smoke canisters and opened fire on innocent N-train riders in Brooklyn Tuesday morning. An AR-15 automatic rifle, ammunition, and several other firearm-related items were found in the storage unit. In addition, investigators also searched the 62-year-old's Philadelphia apartment on Wednesday, which he had rented for 15 days and his lease expired the same day as the subway attack. Taking a look at the traffic, if you're trying to get to the outbound GW Bridge on this Thursday evening, very heavy on the West Side Highway, northbound basically off 12th Avenue all the way up. FDR northbound from 34th Street up to the GW Bridge and southbound were slow from the Triborough right down into the 50s with an accident. Cross Bronx jammed up westbound from Westchester Avenue to the GW Bridge. Eastbound heavy off the bridge out to the Bronx River Parkway. Deegan northbound loaded up from the Triborough right up to Fordham Road. And southbound delays start actually in Westchester County on the Thruway southbound, just south of the Cross County Parkway, and take us all the way down to the Cross Bronx Expressway. Your forecast, showers, heavy thunderstorms this evening. Some of those storms, as they've been in parts of the area, could be strong to severe, overnight low 52. Sunny skies tomorrow, high 65. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. All right, we're starting up here in Washington, D.C. on a Thursday night, which is really kind of like a fly Friday night because it's Holy Thursday. It's the it was really Passover where Jesus was around the table and, and everyone was there. And he told Peter before the cock crows three times before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Yep. Judas did his thing. It's, it's a 
fiasco. Anyone who was in church this Sunday and heard the Passion um, delivered uh, during the Palm Sunday Mass, you know the whole Mass, you know the whole story. Speaking of something that's a little sad before we get to Chuck, but it's gonna it ties in to kind of what I wanted to speak to him about, which is politics and the state of affairs here in Washington, D.C., federal. You know, on this show, we do local, local, local. But here when we're in D.C., you can't help but feel the federal vibe. And I love it. It's, it's really exciting. It's really invigorating. In the world of politics, former, former Nassau County Executive Edward Mangano was sentenced today 12 years behind bars. That's a very long time. I don't exactly, I think he's 60 years old. So, I mean, he's there until he's 70, spending the whole decade of his 60s in jail. And that's probably factored into the judge's decision. Um, He was convicted in 2019. Uh, He was convicted of accepting bribes and kickbacks from a restaurateur by the last name of Singh. Um, The bribes and the kickbacks included five paid vacations, a pricey watch, hardwood flooring for his home, and a $3,600 vibrating chair. You know, when I first read that, and I'm like, uh, 12 years, I mean, that, that's a lot of time for, for paid for five paid vacations. And I don't know how extravagant they were, but I mean, a, a dozen years in federal prison is a very severe penalty. But then you read the punchline is, and $100,000 per year, no show job for his wife, Linda, who got sentenced after he did today in a separate hearing to 15 months. Um, it'll be, and he's got to surrender in June. So they're going to both be incarcerated at the same time. It's interesting because I have a case with a husband and a wife, but there are little kids involved. And if, if there's got to be jail time, you know, we're going to, it's not going to be anywhere near these types of numbers, but we're going to ask the judge to stagger, um, the sentences so that the kids always have one of their parents at home. But, you know, it's a very sad day for politics in New York state. We were talking about yesterday uh, that the Washington post, I believe it was uh, Congressman Swazi said that Washington post said New York state is the most corrupt state when it comes to politicians and politics. Uh, But here we are. And this is also a federal case. It's the same office that's prosecuting Frank James for the um, subway massacre yesterday. Um, it's interesting. They show the Panerai watch and the vibrating chair that he got. Singh, who was giving, who basically got a b- bunch of tons of state money because of these bribes, he um, <clears throat> he testified. He cooperated and he testified uh, against Mangano and his wife. So let's talk to Chuck Thies, who, um, besides being my buddy from college and being very smart, uh, has been down here in the Beltway. How long have you been down here, Chuck? The 32 years. But I have a question because, you know, you're a lawyer, Arthur, and uh, you just talked about this Mangano guy who uh, is going to be going to prison for 12 years. And you're, you're a good lawyer. So if you were his lawyer, would you be able to make it so he could take that vibrating chair with him to prison? Yeah, Arthur, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think. Listen, he probably will be eligible to go to a camp, which is a huge difference. Huge difference. They have vibrating between, chairs there? I believe there's one place where they do have the vibrating chair. Okay. But since we're in Washington, D.C., tell us, what is the state of affairs? First, let's do it local. What's the state of affairs of local Washington, D.C. politics? Well, local Washington, D.C. politics um, up until oh, just a couple of years ago basically had a scandal a year for a decade. Several politicians went to prison. 
elected officials. Um, uh, some of their cronies went to prison. Uh, others were forced to resign, as they always say, in disgrace, because, you know, people resign in joy and with pride sometimes. The famous one we know is the guy who got caught smoking the crap. Well, Marion Barry, right. But Marion hasn't had a scandal forever. Uh, Marion died uh, about seven years ago. Uh, but that's what made D.C. famous for local politics, because in 1990, Marion was arrested in the Vista Hotel, not very far from where we sit right now. Uh, and people who remember the dramatic videotape, it was an FBI sting, he was arrested at the very moment that he put a crack pipe in his mouth and took a hit from it. Um, and uh, amazingly, uh, he faced, I think, 15 charges. A jury acquitted him of 14. He got sentenced to the better part of two years in prison. He served about a year. They let him out. And uh, two years later, he was reelected to be mayor. And, and that made D.C. a bit of a laughing stock, um, uh, not unlike Toronto when Rob Ford was mayor. Um, but um, uh, Marion did a lot of good for this city. He was a good friend of mine. Uh, he appeared on my radio show when I broadcast here in D.C. We had some good times together. We had some on-air fights. Uh, but he did a lot, and Marion would tell you that he created the black middle class. And he didn't do that single-handedly, but he did, in fact... Uh, do a lot to uplift people during the 1970s and 80s who didn't have anyone else to turn to. Um, but more recently in D.C., uh, over the past few years, we've had a fairly uh, boring local political scene, no scandals. Um, uh, our mayor has handled COVID well, uh, as well as any mayor. Uh, no one does it perfectly. What's the crime situation? The crime situation is getting a little out of hand. Like in, in New York, uh, we actually have more homicides today than we've had in the past 25 years. Uh, 25 years. So that's bad, obviously. All homicides are bad. There's a carjacking spree in this city. Every day, multiple armed carjackings. It's actually become a bit of a a hobby or a dare among some younger people in the city. Uh, but people get shot and people get killed. An Uber driver a few months ago was killed when he was carjacked because the girls, the girls who carjacked him, didn't let him get all the way out of the car and they dragged him down the road and killed him. A 60-year-old man from Pakistan who was just trying to make ends meet to take care of his family. Um, so crime is a problem. I would say crime is the number one political issue in the district right now. And uh, we're in the middle of an election season. It's not really dominating the subject matter because in D.C. it's interesting. When you have a local election, you're still the, the, the local zeitgeist, the electorate that, that votes for a mayor or a city council member. Uh, national and international politics still bigfoot that. Uh, and, it's, and it's very difficult for local politics to break through all that noise. Typically, it only does when there's a scandal. And, and unfortunately, in D.C. right now, despite the fact that there's a crime wave and, like I said, a generational high homicide rate and these carjackings that are happening every day and other violent crimes, it's really not becoming a major political issue like it would in New York or some other cities because national and international politics. You guys don't even have a local prosecutor. It's like a U.S. attorney's office who That's prosecutes. Correct. I just learned that because someone I know got locked up down here and I transferred to the U.S. attorney's office. I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I need the local prosecutor. We are the local prosecutor. Yeah, that's right. Uh, D.C. is very unique because we're not a state. We're not uh, so a, a county. A we don't have a voting member of Congress. We have a, a, a representative in Congress, Eleanor Holmes Norton. She's been there 30 years, but she doesn't have a vote. We have no senators. We do get to vote in presidential elections, but we don't have a local prosecutor. Uh, that, that Where do your electoral that, votes go? 
to the president. We do. We have electoral votes, oh, and they do. count like Puerto Rico or Guam or the Virgin, U.S. Virgin Islands. But uh, the only felonies that are prosecuted by a local prosecutor, which is called our attorney general. We've only had an attorney general for eight years. Um, the only local felonies that are prosecuted by the attorney general are felonies committed by minors. So if you're an adult and you commit a felony, you're prosecuted by the U.S. attorney. All right, so we got one minute left. Here's what I need. I need, I got one uh, recommendation. Arthur at ABKLawNYC.com. Could someone just pick up their phone? I don't care. You could Google it and pretend you've been there before. I want two or three just restaurant recommendations. I haven't seen Chuck. When, I, it's been a while, bro. Since Arthur's 50th birthday. If you didn't, if you didn't know, the last time? Arthur is over the age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's four years? Though, but, but, wow. Yeah, because COVID. So I know, I know, I know. But we, we FaceTimed. We did our all. buddy Jason is listening, and Jason and I road tripped from D.C. He came up from Charlottesville to surprise Arthur for his 50th birthday. It was a blast. If you weren't there, be nice to him, and you'll get an invite to the 60th. It won't be as much fun. We'll do 55 this December. Arthur at ABKLawNYC.com. Be right back. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Holland Christian Home is a Christian home for seniors, a place that will treat your loved one with kindness and respect. Located in North Haledon, New Jersey, Holland Christian Home is filled with fun activities, delicious meals, medical care, and more. Founded more than 125 years ago, Holland Christian Home provides the physical, social, and financial needs to care for seniors. Go to hchnj.org or call Charlotte at 973-807-3245. Call Holland Christian Home to discuss how they can care for your aging loved one. With residential living, a permanent life care program, and respite care, you'll have peace of mind that your mom or dad, aunt or uncle, Friends and loved ones are in a warm and loving community. Daily chapel services are included. HCHNJ.com or call 973-807-3245. Holland Christian Home will care for your aging loved one with kindness and respect. HCHNJ.org or 973-807-3245. Holland Christian Home. Ask for Charlotte. Hi, I'm Al Aberroa, founder of Night Strategic Wealth. Inflation is picking up, markets are volatile, and the dream of a comfortable retirement is harder to attain than ever before. Nobody wants to run out of money in retirement. That's why I'm going to share something that your financial advisor doesn't want you to know. With our investment strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year. And when the stock market goes down, your investments won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money to brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500, and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to help build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. 
Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Relatively long weekend. I will be on the radio on Monday, but I'm, I'm not going to go into the office on Monday. We're, I'm going to spend some time. Luke is off from school. Art is off from school. Um, before we get back to Chuck Thies, um many of my friends are Jewish. Many of my friends are Christian. And this holiday actually coincides, which is fantastic. Um, no matter what you believe in, just take some time tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, and, you know, look around and, and appreciate what you have. Look at the glass half full and just have the discipline of shutting off the rest of the world and appreciate the, the joy of life. Because, you know, no matter how crummy you think things are, most of the people, and I'm not going to say all, but most of the people who get to listen to this radio show are living pretty good. Just look, go online and Google Ukraine right now. And how those people, they, they lived lives like we did in Washington, where we are today, in Boston, in Philadelphia, in New York. And all of a sudden, there's bombs coming down. Their schools are gone. Their, their homes are gone. They have nothing but the, the, the clothes on their back. So during Easter, during Passover, just be thankful for all of the beauty that surrounds us, whether it be a tulip that just sprouted up or in my case, the, the, the blue, beautiful blue eyes of both my brand new daughter and my wife, my two sons, my parents. Um, just, just appreciate it all. And I appreciate even the littlest things like 25 years ago, or maybe it was right after the campaign. I don't remember. But I was one of the first guys in Brooklyn, New York to ever put a fire in their backyard. Um, and I had this fire pit that I bought. I, I don't. I guess it was online. I don't. Even, it wasn't really online. I bought it like out of a catalog. Back then, when we, during the campaign, when Chuck was running it with me, like going online was like a big deal. It was dial up, maybe. Well, we, we we literally would be sitting in campaign headquarters, and I'd be like, Arthur, Arthur, uh, we got an email. Yeah, it was like a big deal. So we're sitting there, and it's me and Chuck and Mario, and I think Dur oh Dursa was there. Billy was. Billy had just left. And the fire's going on, and Chuck, and now it's late, and we've been up and drinking and doing whatever. And Chuck goes, you have any, uh, you you got any beans? And I'm like, beans? He's like, yeah, get me a can of beans, baked beans. I'm like, okay. Now, I had baked beans, so I go in the house. Uh, now, you know, Chuck and I have a relationship where we just do what, we, there's unlimited trust. And so I go and I get the can of beans, and now the fire's been going all night, so those coals are bright bright red and chuck without with no fear takes the beers out of my hand and puts the beans facing like the can just like sitting upright in the hot hot coals and we, we start <laughs> we start talking and all of a sudden chuck goes uh guys we may want to move back from the fire just a little bit and it was i don't know it was Durso or mario he goes why he goes well we're kind of in the blast zone and we're like, what? What blast zone? And he goes, if things go the right way, because we should, we should, there should be a shower of beans. But now we're waiting, and nothing's happening. I'll never forget. Dursa goes, uh, Chuck, uh, these beans are actually cooling right now. And it, just as those words come out of his mouth, 
there is an explosion that, I mean, and this is pre-9-11, it was like when everyone wasn't so on PTSD'd out, and there's this explosion, and there, there were big, tall evergreen trees in my backyard. So we hear this explosion, and we laugh, and we're like, oh, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, you're like, drip, drip, something hits my bald head, something hits Mario's shoulder, something hits, I'm like, what's that? It's raining beans. The can of beans gets so hot, and it starts boiling, and it creates steam, and the lid blows off. I mean, these are the things that only a guy like Chuck Thies could teach you. Hold on. So now, fast forward, 22 years, the last time I'm at Chuck's house, where he said... <laughs> He takes he takes this big piece of PVC, he takes hairspray or Lysol or something, sprays it into the thing, loads a potato into it, takes a uh, lighter to it, and boom! And the potato shoots a billion miles away. And that's why you have friends from college and high school and grammar school. And I'm so lucky to have all of those. Happy birthday to Chris Boyle, who I know from kindergarten, the uh, leader of Rapid Pulse. Uh, the great band of the 80s uh, that'll be doing a reunion tour. We'll talk about that on another show. Arthur, I have to to be the lawyer in the room here, okay? For folks at home, I'm not a lawyer, but apparently there needs to be a lawyer in the room and remind everyone, don't try this at home. You don't want to put canned anything in a fire at home or anywhere. It will explode. So, Chuck, tell me real quick, what's the federal scene like down here in Washington, D.C., from a government point of view? Um, what is the federal well, scene? Like, do you walk around and see a senator? Or oh, a yeah, no, all the time. All, all, all the time. Uh, uh, members of the media, of course, uh, members of Congress. As a matter of fact, Arthur, you and I were down here once, I don't know, 10 years ago, and we saw your buddy. He was a congressman. King, from, Peter from, King. Yeah, Peter King. We saw Peter King right down by Union Station. He was drinking in the Irish bar, right? He was outside drinking in the Irish bar. So, no, that's... That becomes so so common. I remember once um, I'm walking around and uh, I see Don Rumsfeld when he was uh, Secretary of Defense, and uh, I'm just like, oh, check that out. I say to the buddy, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Don Rumsfeld, and my buddy busts out the double birds, wow. gives him the double middle fingers, and I was like, oh, dude, come on, you know, you cannot like the guy, but you shouldn't do that. But what's the federal scene in D.C. right now? You know, I mean, I'll just say from New York, I, I forget how many Congress people are resigning, and I, when I speak to them privately, they say, y- you feel like you can't get anything done. Yeah, no, there's a gridlock here. Uh, there's definitely a gridlock. It's very difficult Why to get things done. Everyone's a Democrat. No, because of the filibuster in the Senate, um, and because the Democrats don't agree on everything. Also, so Are you a big AOC fan. Big AOC fan. So not her politics, but she's she's nice to look at. Am I allowed to say that? I, think so, I yeah. just did. So it's too late. We can't put that genie back in the bottle. <laughs> um, so no, but I mean, she does her thing and she does it well. What I respect in politicians, uh, most politicians, I don't agree with. So I can't not respect a politician because I don't agree with them. What I respect if they're true to what they want to do and if they're good at it. And she's good at what she wants to do. Even if you don't like her, she's good at what she wants to do, what she wants to do. Even if she doesn't accomplish it, like her followers love her, and 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 would probably walk off a cliff with her. Uh, and there's a lot of people who would like her to do that. But regardless, she's good at what she does. And and what do you think of Ted Cruz? Well, so here's the thing about AOC too. You know, ask people to name 
20 members of Congress and they can't. No, no, she's a so, star. Right. She's exactly. a star. Ted Cruz, uh, it didn't, didn't, didn't his father kill John Kennedy? Is this the same John Cruz? <laughs> no, Tom Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz? No, Ted Cruz. That's a joke. If you followed Trump's campaign, you would appreciate that humor. Um, so what I think of Ted Cruz, uh, he really screwed the pooch. We can say that, right? Yeah. Arthur, you taught me that expression. Yeah. He really screwed the pooch when he did that thing when Texas was having the major blackouts. And he flew with his family down to Acapulco or something. It's like, what on earth, dude? So I don't think anyone goes to Acapulco anymore, but okay. All right. Well, wherever he was, Cabo San Lucas. somewhere like that. I don't know. I still go to Acapulco. I don't. I, I told Arthur I haven't been on a plane since since 2011. I don't go anywhere. I'm a boring old man. But uh, Ted Cruz, I don't like the beard. It's not that I don't like beards. It's just that I don't like the beard. Uh, but then again, he doesn't have much of a chin, so maybe he's got the beard to hide the fact he doesn't have much of a chin. Dershowitz said when he taught him in Harvard Law, he was the most unpopular student and and amongst the top five smartest students he ever taught. Well, people say that about me, too. You know, one of the smartest people they know, but they really don't like me. So, you know. <laughs> well, we love you, Chuck. Well, Chuck, any parting words? Oh, I have a parting word. You do. I remember when this we were... classic Arthur. He when, asked me if right, I had parting exactly. words, and then he says, no, no I'm going to talk. because I'm going to make it public, and I'm going to get a little bit of trouble. But I, So I gave up drinking for Lent. And when we were in college, you often would go on the wagon, right? I, I would call it a sobriety binge. Right. And But what was your rule of when you would... What was it, a reason why you would fall off the wagon? Uh, there, there were two reasons, right? So it was usually like, you know, 50 or 100 days. And there were two reasons that I would fall off the wagon. Number one, if someone died. Because when someone dies, you got to drink. And if you don't drink, that's cool. But in my family, when someone dies, you drink. Um, and then the other was an unexpected visit from a friend who you haven't seen in a long time. So, I haven't had a drink since whenever Ash Wednesday was, and I gave it up for Lent. And I haven't had, a, except for a sip of ugly wine at Purim, I haven't had anything. And I, my normal practice is I go to Easter. But I remember we were sitting in your room, and you were on the wagon, and your friend Brian, well, just you hadn't seen in a very long, he just popped up. Because I was on the wagon with you, so you jumped off the wagon. I stayed, But I think tonight... I think I'm going to have a libation with you, if that's okay. I mean, you think that's a, is this a reason? Yeah. I haven't seen you since my birthday. It's a long time. It's been, well, we figured out that it has been since your birthday, but it's still been too long, and it certainly hasn't been since, or it has been since before the damn-demic. I don't call it a pandemic. I call it a damn-demic. Uh, and you're free to use that out there in Radio Land, but you've got to give me a quarter every time you say it. It's like uh, uh, Pat Riley with the three-peat, right? right. You've got to pay Pat. I've got to pay him now. All right, the damn demic. The, the damn demic. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll, so we'll have a libation. All right, we'll have a libation. So this has been a great couple of days down here in Washington, D.C. Sam Bellino and Joni and everyone else who helped make this happen. I appreciate it. And uh, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. Jeff Ross gave him a great send-off. These are all friars. These are all people who I rub elbows the aristocrats. with. Yes, yes. And uh, I heard Jeff Ross was hysterical today. I couldn't be there because I'm here in, in Washington, D.C., working on a case with Professor Alan Dershowitz, which is an honor. Um, take some time. Hug your family. Take a walk. Look at look at Mother Nature. Look up at the sky. If it's Jesus who you want to thank, that's fine. If you want to thank the plants, that's fine as well. Mom and Dad, happy Easter. To everyone I know, happy Passover. We love you, and we'll be back Monday. Tomorrow will be the best of. Bye-bye. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.